This is the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Hey everyone, this is a podcast to help your leadership and your ministry as you serve God's church, the Bride of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage and equip you to the things God's called you to do. And my name is Daniel Williams, the host. I'm here in my beloved city, Delray Beach, Florida, and it is great being with you once again. And today I want to talk to you about the important uh, issue of hard work. Yes, many of you are working really hard for the Lord. And this is important to realize and to recognize. To realize this because so many, so often we get little uh, jokes as pastors that pastors only work one day a week. Well, we know that in the church there are many leaders, not just senior pastors, but many leaders that work really hard. And it's more than just one day a week. It takes time, preparation, character to build God's church and to serve in God's church. Now, Pastors do have that reputation because we have a flexible schedule, which is awesome. Uh, I love that, and that's a huge blessing of being a senior pastor, of having a flexible schedule uh, to meet with this person on this day or to to work your calendar. But the reality is many of us as uh, pastors are... um, serving in that capacity, the reason why we have a flexible schedule is because we have many night meetings. We have many emergency meetings, many counseling meetings that we can't share with the congregation or stuff like that. Um, And so we're oftentimes like a doctor working on call and being able to take our days off, like for example, on Monday when everyone's back to work. So it has this appearance. But the reality is we need to realize that whether you're getting paid or not getting paid, if you're serving in Jesus's church, you are working hard. And I want to thank you for that because, man, it is the work uh, of many that make things happen. And so whether you're a key volunteer, a deacon, an elder, whatever it may be, because we have to understand that many people, many church leaders are bivocational and it takes a lot of hard work. Um, I'm a bivocational pastor, but think about the deacons, the women's directors, the um, children's directors, the usher team, all these people putting time and energy have a full-time job as well. And so we have to realize that ministry is hard work and we have to recognize it. It's okay to just say, hey, ministry is not only hard work, but it's hard work. Like it's hard sometimes. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. But the reality is there's great reward, even though it can be tough at times. Is there great benefits and blessing? Absolutely. But ministry is hard work. And I love how God recognizes that for us. Uh, Throughout Scripture, He tells us not to give up. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, uh, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Galatians 6, 9, And let us not grow weary in doing good, We can grow weary in doing good because it's hard. But the Bible says in that verse, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so we are to continue to labor and to work 
hard unto the Lord. And so in this episode, I wanted to bring up this issue of hard work and give you encouragement as you are working hard. And I asked my friend Pilgrim Benham, who pastors over in the west coast of Florida, in Bradenton, Florida, uh, to share on this subject. He's planted two churches. Uh, currently, he's serving as the lead pastor at Shoreline Church and has been a good friend of mine. Uh, so much so, he was one of the first people that I recorded, uh, first batch of people that I recorded for this podcast. But because he was the first time, uh, the first batch, I was sort of working through things, I actually messed up his audio. Um, but I think the content is so good, I still want to play it for you. So just prepare yourself, adjust the settings a little bit, relax. Remember, this is a free podcast, and uh, I wanted to get this content to you. And so the quality may not be as prime as it is right now with this luscious voice, uh, but I think it's very good for you to hear this. And so, like, I'm trying to not just teach you things, I'm trying to learn things as well. And the last month's book recommendation um, H3 Leadership by Brad Lomanick said, he said, done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. And this episode is done. It's good content. And so I hope that you are blessed by my friend, Pastor Pilgrim Benham, and he's going to talk to you about the hard work of ministry. Hey, this is Pastor Pilgrim Benham from Shoreline Church in Bradenton, Florida. And I want to share with you today a lesson on persevering and hard work in ministry. Now, no doubt you're watching this and you're involved in some type of ministry, whether you're a pastor or a church planter, you're a support staff, maybe you're someone who is interested in ministry. And so you're finding yourself in the thick of the battle and you're realizing this is not what I signed up for. I thought I signed up for the blessing and the glory and all of the, the good stuff. I didn't realize what I was actually signing up for is hardship and difficulty. And so I want to challenge you today to reset your mind, to have a different perspective, to realize what we are called to do in ministry. So I want to open up this lesson talking about a very obscure to us, but a very well-known explorer. Uh, there's an Arctic explorer by the name of Ernest Shackleton. Uh, Ernest Shackleton was a polar explorer in a time uh, that was very dangerous. He actually set out on an expedition to be not just the first person to cross the globe or to visit Antarctica, but in the exact same time frame as the Titanic, uh, Ernest Shackleton found himself wanting to be the first explorer to cross the entire continent of Antarctica. And so on, as you, as you investigate uh, this story, it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, this guy Shackleton on December 5th, 1914, uh, with a crew of 27 men set out on a ship named, of all things, Endurance. And as he set out, his goal was to be the first, not just to sail around the world, but to cross Antarctica. And just a few days out of South Georgia, not the state that we have in the United States, but in the South Atlantic Sea, um, the ship that he was sailing got stuck in this endless um, pack ice, and eventually the ship was crushed. They left uh, on December 5th and the following year in November. Uh, they watched as their ship sank into the frigid sea uh, of the Waddell Sea. And in three lifeboats, the crew were actually managed to salvage a few uh, of their vessels and get to this tiny little elephant 
Island. And if you've ever seen, I want you to Google search Elephant Island. It's actually this mountain of ice. And so Shackleton left his crew there and took five men with him and set out over 800 miles of rough, probably the roughest seas in the world to find help. And they eventually did. And four months later, he comes back uh, and all 22 men that he had left there were still alive. And history records Shackleton in that moment yelling out, they're all there, Skipper. They're all safe. And my question as we open this up is, how did all of these men, these 22 men, survive two years right near Antarctica on a mountain island of ice with a destroyed ship? Well, it wasn't because they were the best in the world with an oar or with a sail. Uh, their expertise, their schooling, their family background, their socioeconomic or racial, racial background, their reputation, those were all useless during those months of frigid cold. What set these men apart was their initial calling. What Ernest Shackleton had originally warned them and prepared them for as they set out uh, to accomplish impossible things. In fact, Shackleton put an ad in the London newspaper and the ad did not read this. It did not read, I need qualified men for an expedition. Uh, we need a minimum of five years experience uh, you must know how to hoist the mainsail. Come work for a fantastic captain. It's not what it said. Um, rather than posting the experiential requirements, the ad in the London Times that Shackleton put said this, men wanted for hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, but honor and recognition in case of success. I think that's really cool because by the very nature of his ad, those who were equal for such a task were the ones who came out and signed up and eventually made it aboard Shackleton's ship. And the rest is history. And I wonder, as you begin out in ministry, or maybe you've been doing ministry for any number of years, you find yourself maybe attracted to ministry for the wrong reasons. And maybe you didn't understand what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, where he says, if you long to be uh, an elder or a pastor, that's a noble task. Maybe you misunderstood that and thought, I'm just looking for the nobility. I'm just looking for the recognition, for the, for the accolades, hopefully not the money. And so I'm going to be involved in ministry to gain something out of it, rather than to pour out my life for the Lord, for his glory. And, and so maybe you find yourself in the thick of ministry, and you, you find yourself being hit with some hardship, and you're wondering, where is this coming from? I, I thought that ministry was, was easier. I thought ministry was, was something where uh, I was built up and I was encouraged all the time, and, and there was never hardship. What am I seeing in front of me? And so I just want to kind of reset our mind to the perspective that we see in the Scripture. And I want to read to us from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, Paul wrote to the Corinthians several letters, and, and in his letters, uh, sometimes he was a little bit stern, and, and sometimes he was a little more grace-filled. But to the Corinthian church, he had this kind of, this long-standing relationship uh, where as he would come and approach them, he would be like a father figure to them. And he tells them in 1 Corinthians, they didn't have a lot of father figures. They had a lot of, of, of men, but not a lot of men who were worthy of leading and following. And, and so as he would leave Corinth, uh, there was kind of a wake of leadership, and some of these false apostles, these super apostles came in. And, and rather than directing their attention to Paul, they actually bashed Paul. 
And so Paul said, I'm going to show back up. And you think that I'm strong in my letter, wait till I show up. And so 2 Corinthians is one of the most honest letters that Paul writes. He, he actually uses a lot of, of extreme language, almost sarcasm, as he writes to the church in Corinth. And in chapter 11, 2 Corinthians, verse 22, he is asking a question about these other apostles. And so he asks this, he says, are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? And then he kind of gets sarcastic. He says, I speak as a fool. I am more. I'm, I'm more of a minister than these guys. I mean, it sounds a little bit extreme and competitive. What Paul's saying is, I know what ministry is like. I've been in the thick of it, and I understand what it's like to be a minister of Jesus Christ. I'm not here for the, for the reward and the recognition. I'm here for the risk. I'm here to lay down my life so that others would come to know Christ. And so he says, I'm more of a minister. And then he explains how he's more of a minister. And this is really what you signed up for. You may not have said, you know, I'm taking an oath today. I'm going to be ordained. And this is the job description. This is what I'm looking for. But this is what you did sign up for. And Paul says, this is me. I'm more of a minister in this. In labor is more abundant. In stripes above measure. Stripes meaning the stripes uh, of torture. He says, in prisons more frequently, in deaths more often. In other words, I've been, I've been around death. Verse 24, he says, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That was a, a type of torture uh, we call scourging that was given by Rome. He says, I had that five times. Five times I received these 39 lashes. Verse 25, he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've been a night and a day in the deep. Verse 26, I've been in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And then he says, beside all these other things, what comes upon me every day? Those are events that happen, but every day, he says, my deep concern for all the churches. Who's weak in the church and I am not weak? Who's made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation? Paul's saying here, look at all the things that I've endured for Christ. And if, if you were taking notice, I just read that. He says, man, I've been beaten by Rome, and I've been beaten by the Jews. I've been beaten by rods. I've been beaten by, by rocks. I've been shipwrecked. I mean, I would never travel with Paul if I were in ministry. I'd be like, hey, wherever you're going, Paul, I'm going to go the opposite direction. Just because of the amount of, of disaster that seemed to be waiting for him. He says, I'm constantly in peril. If you remember there, he says, I'm in peril from... From people trying to steal from me, I'm in peril uh, out in the country, in the city, from my countrymen, from people I don't know. It seems like I'm constantly in danger. There's always something that's coming against me. Now, you may not have signed up for beating and scourging and, and being stoned and, and being shipwrecked, but certainly when you decided, hey, I want to follow you, Jesus, I want to be in ministry, I want to serve you, you certainly signed up uh, to run the race with perseverance. Uh, the word for, for race in 
uh, 1 Corinthians, when Paul speaks to the church, the same church he just talked to, Paul says, I'm running the race. And the word for race is, is the word agon. We actually obtain our word agony from it. And if you're a runner, you understand, sometimes running is agony. And, and, and he says, I'm running the race. It's agonizing. It's difficult. It's hard. Uh, I'm going through conflict. I'm going through a struggle. I'm going through difficulty. And he seemed to use this word constantly in his writing. The idea is that when I come to serve Jesus in ministry, I'm not here to receive anything back. I'm here to give. And sometimes giving means uh, struggle. It means suffering. There's a story in 1981 uh, of a runner named Bill Broadhurst. And he was running um, a race. It was a 10,000 meter race in Omaha, Nebraska. And, and he was a part of the Pepsi Challenge. What's really cool about Bill Broadhurst is that 10 years earlier he had received uh, a brain aneurysm and it had left him completely paralyzed on his left side. Um, so on that, that morning of that run, he's on the, the, the starting line with 1,200 other men and women who are incredibly um, chiseled and, and they're race ready. And so the gun kind of starts and the crowd lunges forward and there's Bill. And, and the way that Bill Broadhurst was running is he was running kind of fine on his right side, and then he made this kind of run with a swivel. He swiveled his left leg out in front, and then he would run with his right leg, and then he'd pivot and swivel his hip, and, and he continued that pace throughout uh, the entire race. Now, a lot of the runners completed that 10,000 meter in about 30 minutes. Uh, the, the race was over, they had finished it, they had won the race. Well, about two hours after that, two hours, 20 minutes later, Bill Broadhurst crosses the finish line. And a man um, comes up, and, and as he's just exhausted, Bill recognizes him from the pictures uh, in the newspaper. This was Bill Rogers. He was the one who was the famous marathon runner, and he had won that race. Well, here's what happened. Uh, this man uh, took off, Bill Rogers takes off his medal, and he puts it around Bill Broadhurst's neck. What's awesome about that is that there wasn't a big crowd cheering. There's just a few bystanders. But the world's fastest runner, he actually crowned Broadhurst with this. Why? Because it's not that he started the race, it's that he finished the race. Now, some of you are starting the race, and it's starting to get difficult. And you find yourself losing heart or losing steam. And I want to encourage you to run the race, as Paul says, uh, to run the race that's marked out for you. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 says we're to run the race marked out for us with perseverance, with endurance. The Greek word is hupomone. It's a word that means that we're to run without looking to the left, without looking to the right. Uh, the word means that you have patience where you sit down and accept the thing uh, that is in front of you and not just accept it, but you master it. It's a determination that's unhurried, and yet it's undelaying, and it refuses to be deflected. Bill Broadhurst had that kind of, that kind of hoopamone, that kind of endurance. And I wonder if you have that type of endurance. Is there something that has tripped you up in the race? Maybe in your ministry there hasn't been the fruit that you expected. And you began the ministry thinking, this is going to be maybe one thing in your mind, and yet as you've started out, maybe even a long time in the race, you're realizing, the fruit that I thought God was going to do in and through my life isn't there. And it can cause you to look to the sideline or to look back even worse and to start losing heart. Uh, maybe you've been in ministry for a really long time and, and it's not fruit necessarily, but it's, it's your own personal sanctification that just continues to discourage you. 
And you look out on a Sunday morning and you see the, the crowd and you go, man, I, I wish that I could understand the things I'm teaching. I'm still struggling with these things. It can cause us to lose heart. It can cause us to be discouraged. But I want to encourage you to run the race that's marked out for you. You're not running anyone else's race. You're running your race. And as you're persevering and as you're putting one step in front of you, sometimes our stride, our gait, it looks a lot like Bill Broadhurst. We're taking one step, but the other step, we're just flopping a foot in front of the other. But I want to encourage you to not look back, to not look to the sideline, to continue running the race and to run the race that's marked out for you. But Paul here in 2 Corinthians would say, you know what? All of these things are difficult, but the most difficult thing he says in verse 28, besides all these other things, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. If you're like me in ministry, it's the day-to-day -day sanctification of our people. It's the day-to-day -day discipleship, and it's seeing others shipwreck their faith. That's the thing that seems to discourage us more than anything. You know, we can, we can take a beating, we can take a, a punch, uh, we can take a shipwreck or a night lacking sleep, having peril uh, come upon us, but when it's our own people in ministry that begin to fall away, there's nothing that, that wears us down and weighs us down more than that. And so maybe that's something that you're discouraged by, the weight and the work of pouring into people's lives and seeing that concern for them as they kind of lose heart and they lose faith. Is that discouraging you? Well, Paul would go on to say uh, later in 2 Corinthians, he would go on to say as he struggled with an even deeper issue, which was kind of a thorn in his flesh. A lot of scholars believe maybe that was a physical ailment, maybe his eyesight. Uh, and he asked the Lord, hey, Lord, get, get this thing out of my life. Take it away. I'm pleading with you, Lord. Just remove this. And, and the Lord says to him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and, and we get the benefit of Paul sharing this testimony, but he says, this is what Jesus says to him as he's praying, Lord, take this thorn out of my flesh. This is something that I can't deal with. I can deal with all this other stuff, but this is just overwhelming. And this is what Jesus says to him. And this is what I would encourage you with today. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, it is okay today to not be okay. We stand up in the pulpit or we blog or we, we, we preach, we lead worship, whatever our ministry is. And often we tell ourselves it's not okay to not be okay. I've got to be the rock. I've got to be the stable one. I've got to be the one that produces hope in others. I can't be the hopeless, discouraged one. I've got to be the, the guy who's always on. And I just want to encourage you today, his grace is sufficient for you. His power is actually made complete. It's made perfect in our weakness. There's going to be times where you say, I can't handle this. This is overwhelming. I didn't sign up for this, Lord. And yet he says, my grace, it's sufficient. It's sufficient to meet your need today. My grace is sufficient for you because my strength, my power, it's actually completed. It's, it reaches that place of perfection in you when you're most weak. So we have to confess that, Lord, I have such a need for you. I'm so weak. Lord, strengthen me. Lord, help me. Uh, help me to, to lay this down, to lay this aside, to submit to you, uh, to not look inward, but to look upward. See, Jesus, Jesus endured the cross he scorned the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. The writer of Hebrews tells us in, in chapter 12 that our posture is to look unto Jesus. But today you're going to be involved in some difficult ministry as the world continues to kind of 
um, devolve into greater and greater wickedness and Western culture continues to um, pull away from Christianity into more of a post-Christian um, understanding, uh, ministry is not going to get easier. It's going to get more difficult. And so for us, what we have to do is do what the writer of Hebrews says, to fix our eyes beyond the difficulty uh, and fix it on Jesus. Uh, that Jesus did the same thing. He looked beyond the cross and he scorned the shame and he looked beyond all of the difficulty that the cross's ministry had for him. And he looked beyond that for the joy that was set before him. So what we need to do is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus, he looked beyond the cross, scorning the shame, and he looked for the joy set before him. And so for you and I, the joy that's set before us, you know, it's not necessarily having the budget that we're hoping for at the end of the month or the building that we're hoping for, that we're dreaming of, or, or having more people, more people to minister to. The joy that's set before us is seeing the same thing Jesus saw. The joy set before him is the same joy set before us. And that's having uh, people from every nation, every tribe, every people group together, worshiping the Lord, um, seeing him in the fullness of his glory, and being face to face with the Lord, to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. That's what, what I long for, uh, to know that the ministry that he's doing in and through my life, it, it's going to result in fruit, which is souls. It's going to result in lives. And those lives in eternity, I think we're going to be able to see the impact that we made. And that means we've got to be willing to endure hardship. But Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He actually gave two promises with a command. And he says this in John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Two promises there in a very short statement. Maybe you missed them, but here's what he says, two promises. On one side he says, in the world you'll have tribulation. <laughs> uh, you could say in ministry you're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficulty. You're going to have hardship. You're going to get pounded on. There's going to be times that you're overwhelmed. In this world, Jesus promises, or in ministry, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. But notice that other promise over here. It says, but I've overcome the world. Uh, Chuck Swindoll says, often we look at life like a roller coaster. Like there's good times, there's bad times. And he challenges that. And he says, I don't always see the good times in one side and then bad times the next. He said, often life is like more like a train where on one end of the track you have a blessing and on the other end, parallel to that, there's difficulty. And so in our own life, we have trouble on one side and yet on the other side, we have someone who's overcome the world. The two run parallel and constant. And so what is our response? Our response is to do what Jesus tells us to do in that verse, his command. It's sandwiched in between those two promises. His command is this, take heart, or be of good cheer. Take heart. Jesus says, on one end, you're going to have trouble, but I've overcome the world. And where do we live? We live in the tension of take heart. And I just want to encourage you today, uh, if you're in the middle of, of a difficult time, uh, to know what you signed up for. You signed up for what Shackleton uh, originally told us. He told us, that we were going to be in a place of difficulty. He said, hey, men want it for hazardous journey. There's going to be small wages. There's going to be bitterness. There's going to be long months of complete darkness. You're going to be in constant danger, and there's going to be a safe return that's doubtful, but there's honor and recognition in case of success. Not honor and recognition for you, per se, 
But one day, don't you want to hear those words from Jesus? As he looks face to face and faith becomes sight, don't you want to see him face to face and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for me that we would finish well. And the only way we can finish well is by looking beyond the cross and looking for the joy set before us, to look unto Jesus. So I want to encourage you with that today. Life's going to be hard. Ministry's tough. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay focused in the middle of the battle. Don't lose heart. Don't lose step. Stay in step with the Spirit. God bless you guys. Well, man, what a great word and encouragement just to keep on looking to Jesus. He truly is the most beautiful thing and worthy thing that we can live for. And so we're going to continue to drill down in this subject of hard work and the thought of hard work and the reality that work can be hard at times uh, with my friend, Pastor Joe Harris. Pastor Joe Harris is serving in Tampa at Calvary Chapel, Tampa, the 813. And he's going to share on this subject as well. And a cool connection um, between Joe and Pilgrim is Pilgrim planted Calvary Chapel, Tampa. And then transition to pass that over to Joe. The Lord really uh, utilized this relationship and really it was a cool thing to watch. I met Joe when Pilgrim and Joe were praying about this transition. And it's been so cool to see them both work really hard to serve the Lord in different locations, in different capacities, in different times and seasons. And Joe is just such a great guy. He's a bivocational pastor. He works really hard as well. And he's just doing a great job at Calvary Chapel, Tampa. I was able to visit them over there and even preach for them one time. And he's just a, a, just a great guy that I love and I have a lot of respect for. And so you're really going to enjoy this encouragement from him um, about working hard unto the Lord. You're listening to One Piece of Advice, brought to you by eeleaders.com, a ministry to encourage and equip church leaders. Hi, I'm Joe uh, from Calvary 813 in Tampa. I uh, just want to talk to you briefly about hard work and ministry. Um, when I was uh, 18 years old, I went to work for my dad. He had a construction company building gas stations, and the job was brutal. It was one of those things where we are uh, jackhammering, you know, picking up giant uh, stones of concrete, and, and uh, we had these put these Tyvek suits on and clean out the sludge in these uh, gas uh, tanks. And looking back on my life, it's very interesting that that job uh, prepared me for ministry in a way that uh, even working on staff at a megachurch uh, did not. I certainly uh, loved my time on staff at a megachurch, but it wasn't uh, reality to what um, actually was to come as a lead pastor of a church. Accepting the call to pastor uh, is something that it is signing up for a life of hard work, and it's signing up for self-denial of the norms uh, that many other people get to experience. If we're going to have a healthy family and a healthy church, we are not going to have time uh, for many other things. We are not, you know, white-collar professionals. Uh, we are servants who get dirty and serve people and wash the feet of people like G Judas, uh, who would have potentially could stab us in the back. Um, that's just... Uh, what we're signing up to. We are uh, planting or pastoring is, is blazing a trail, uh, holding on to uh, the sword in one hand and a block in the other, like you know those working with Nehemiah uh, to rebuild the walls, literally having an enemy uh, com coming against them. So we prepare uh, for hard work, or you continue uh, in hard work and keep loving those who don't 
uh, love you back. Colossians 1 and 28 says this, He, or Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. Yes, it's, it's strenuous, it's hard work, it's labor, but the joy and the blessing of it is getting to see the power of God transform the lives of people. You know, we're the ones who get to stand at the edge of the Red Sea and, and see the power of God come through in unexpected ways. We're the one that get to experience the presence of God in a way that nobody else uh, does. But the, so the harvest is plentiful, but with any agrarian job, it is hard work. It is labor. Uh, Peter Drucker actually said the four hardest jobs in America, one being is the president of the United States, president of a university, CEO of a hospital, and pastor of a church. Just because it's a hard uh, job or a calling, uh, and just because your life begins to get hard, doesn't mean it's not of God. So the harvest is plentiful, but I'll say this, the hard workers are few. Uh, thanks for uh, letting me share this with you. Well, we've talked about hard work and a familiar subject that I know that many of you are practicing. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord and how you're serving Jesus because it is making a difference. And so I'm trying to have this podcast as a resource to just encourage you, to bless you, to serve you, and to not only encourage you, but equip you to do that work that God has called you to do. And so on the next episode, we're going to talk about how do you practice hard work in ministry to benefit your faith. Uh, spiritual discipline of memorizing scripture. And I have two people uh, that are just so good at this, going to be able to pour into us next episode. One, I do an interview with Ben Corson on how to memorize scripture and practical tips and the benefits of doing so. And you'll get some washing in the word as he displays his skills. And then I'm going to introduce you to someone that's very close to me, my dad, Pastor Joe Williams of Calvary Chapel, Tacoma. Uh, he is like a, a human Bible encyclopedia. I remember when I first started teaching the Bible, uh, I would just uh, call from my office all the time, and just say, Dad, what was that verse about loving Jesus and this and that? And, and just randomly call him and give him a one or two, three, maybe four words at tops. And he would just know the references just like that. And so he's going to give a one piece of advice. And that's a longer one piece of advice because it's just full of truth, full of scripture, and just really wants to encourage you uh, and thank you for the work that you are doing for the Lord. And so um, that's going to be next episode. I know it's going to be helping you. I'm sure it will encourage you through the word. So until next time, like Pilgrim said, keep seeking Jesus. Look to him for your encouragement and be blessed in him. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at eeleaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it would encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.